biggest games. Biggest events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was just in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the ESPN Esports Podcast. I'm Rachel and I have Jacob on the desk today. Haven't seen you in a while. How you doing? Doing okay. I'm back back from Atlanta. It's only been a week. Come on now. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm back from Atlanta. I'm back in the wonderful uh, Hartford, Connecticut area. So, got back last night and uh, ready to go get some work done. And we have Emily Rand on the phone with us today calling in from L.A. Emily, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Um, had a lot to eat during Thanksgiving. Had a total of six Thanksgiving dinners, so it was wow. great. That is that is nuts. Yeah. I was sick over Thanksgiving. Oh, no. That's the worst. <laughs> Did you get to eat anything? Yeah, I did. I've done so well with my weight loss, and Thanksgiving made me feel so guilty. Pies and turkey and ham. Uh, I mean, as long as you portion yourself, worst. it's okay. It's the worst. Jacob, don't feel bad. You've done a great job. Just keep chugging along. But let's dive into our podcast today. We're going to wrap up our free agency with Emily weighing in on some of the teams that are finalized. Uh, I wanted to start with Golden Guardians because they finalized their roster with Lorlo contracts High, Duffley, and Matt. Uh, Jacob, you wrote in your report that High and Duffley were signed as free agents. Let's break down what this means. Like, are they on full part-time or do they have contracts? What does yeah, this look like? Yeah, so what, what I meant by that is they, they were not tied to another team prior. High was cut from FlyQuest, or rather his contract expired on Monday, and they did not want to renew him previous Monday, um, the 20th. And then also Deftly was on E-United, which obviously did not get accepted into the LCS. Uh, so he became a free agent pretty much right afterwards because um, his contract was also going to expire on the 20th. So there was really no hurdles to get these two players. And there were a couple of places that looked at getting them. And this is the one they ended up at. Got you. And Emily, taking a look at this whole roster, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm interested to see how... So, like, a lot of people have been saying... Um, how it's, uh, or the general community reaction has been looking at contracts and they're like, oh, it's such a waste that contract is so talented and he's going to this team. But, and he left C9. I think a lot of people are kind of sad about that. But, um, when contracts was with High previously on C9C, they had a really interesting dynamic. And one of the main issues of, uh, that contracts had in, by his own admission was, him and um, Jensen uh, trying to synergize like on the wrist um, just with combining like that mid jungle synergy to hold the map and high and contracts worked really well together. And they were very like aggressive kind of divey team. So I'm kind of wondering if that comes back now that the two are reunited. That's what I'm super curious about with this roster. I think a lot of people are misunderstanding what happened with contracts as well. I, I had heard as early about a week and a half ago that Cloud9 was looking for options to sell him to. That they, Oh, really? Why? Wasn't it, he like the one beacon of light for that team? Because they have an import slot, or had an import slot before Svenskaren now. And that import slot with Impact being gone, they got Licorice back from E-United, who was previously a part of the Cloud9 Challenger roster as a sub. And so they got Licorice back, who I think is actually a very underrated top laner because people aren't very familiar with Challenger Series and don't understand his play um, or don't watch his play and cannot look at it. Uh, so I think that at that point they looked for a couple different 
options in the jungle. We we reported that they were talking to Trashy at one point. It's my understanding they talked to a couple of Korean junglers as well, and they had taken interest in a few year, other Europeans outside of Trashy, and they eventually went with Svenskeren because he was out on his way out of TSM anyway, and they were looking for a new home for him. There's obviously a very good relationship between TSM and C9 historically as well as organizations. So I think that with contracts kind of on the market, it wasn't so much that contracts abandoned C9 as a lot of people were making it seem like. It was more so that C9 wanted to feel do what they felt was an upgrade and they were they were on the market with an import slot. Okay, well, Emily, let me ask you this. Svenskeren as C9's jungler, is that an upgrade or a downgrade? Um, it depends, I think. So, like, there's, again, the whole conversation after TSM uh, failed to make enough groups at Worlds where everyone's like, TSM turns jumblers into ward bots. And I actually don't think that statement is true. But I do think that they want very specific things out of their junglers, similarly to how I would say that SKT also wants specific things out of their jungler that, say, like, Peanut didn't provide for them. Um, and so I think a lot of people are evaluating Svenskeren based on some of the things that happened on TSM, where I'm actually really curious to see him on a different team. Like, I wonder how he'll, um, court, like how the coordination with Jensen will work since again, like, uh, contracts and Jensen really only started communicating well, um, towards the end of spring last year, I would say, and then their synergy improved throughout summer going into playoffs. Um, so Svenskeri used to be this like super aggressive uh, kind of carry jungler. And we thought we did actually see some of that on TSM during spring 2016, when they kind of miraculously turned things around in the playoffs after having like a really poor split. Um, but I like that. That's, I guess, what I'm the most curious about. Like, I don't see it as a downgrade, but I'm wondering how he'll perform now that he's outside of the TSM system. Okay. Well, I'm actually kind of curious when forming these teams. It seems like Jack makes a lot of the final decisions with how the roster looks at the end. Uh, with a team like Golden Guardians, do you think that someone like Loco, who's the coach of the team, is the one who's making all these final decisions on what the roster looks like? So I actually think, from my understanding and my reporting, that the Golden Guardians were very behind. This is probably the quickest offseason I have seen in terms of people acquiring talent super early. Like, Sven and Mithy was a rumor about a month ago to TSM. And that was a rumor why you guys were in China. So that, like, that, that was a discussion that was being had. TSM had paid G2 for the rights to have those conversations as Optic. And uh, they were already making moves. When P1 got told they were out of the league, they were looking to sell Mike Young to TSM. There was a lot of this that was going on super quickly, and this is like, normally we see rosters form up by like January. You know, you'll see like a move here, a move there. Wait, are People, you saying that the off season is pretty much over? All these rosters I mean, are we, set? We have two moves left in North America until uh, rosters are closed, basically, and that's the 100 Thieves spot lane, which is right. TBD. So, um, and so like everybody's done, and it's a, less than a week after free agency. Today is a week of free agency, right? Like, and that was the quickest I've ever seen it. I remember reporting the Echo Fox roster two years ago on literally, like, January the 1st, on New Year's, right? And this team was just so behind. And I feel like the Golden Guardians were behind as well. I feel like some of the issues that we have written about, about their ownership conflicts with Liquid and C9, that was a really big focus for them, was to figure out how to resolve that, which ultimately was 12 months of, uh, like, they have to 
basically remove those conflicts of interest and dissolve stakes in certain companies to resolve those over the next 12 months. And I think that that was a bigger focus than them for the roster. And so I think that they were really behind. They had limited talent. They had a lot of people that they were after. I had heard one point that they were after Paul Belter and Flame. Obviously, those players went to Liquid and FlyQuest, respectively. And I think that they were just really behind in the roster building process. And that's why you see the team you, you got. Gotcha. So let's move on to a different team really quick. I want to talk about Echo Fox for a second, who has basically dropped their highest paid top laner in the league, who's no longer part of the team, Looper. And they've also dropped Froggen for Phoenix. They have Altac and Adrian in the bot lane. I'm just wondering, uh, feel free to weigh in, Emily. Between, like, What top laners are in contention for Looper's spot, or who can fill that gap? That's kind of what we've heard, right? Like That's, that's the rumor. Um, like, I'm kind of operating under the assumption that that's the case only because that's really the only name that has come out. And, um, like, I'm, I'm not sure where this team would go otherwise, given, like, the top laners available outside of importing, like, a completely different top that maybe no one's heard of or that isn't in as, like, high demand. Right, and Um, we've seen how well that's worked out. Go on, yes. Team is like super weird to me um, because I feel like it could go like really, really well or really, really poorly. And a lot of it is going to be- depend on how these actual personalities come together. The Phoenix over Froggen is really weird to me too. I feel like there aren't, there isn't anything that Phoenix will provide that Froggen didn't and didn't do better because the they're kind of a bit similar in the way that they're primarily lane focused. Um, that's not saying that Phoenix is bad at all, but I'm saying if you want a, a mid laner that's like super lane focused, I don't see why you wouldn't stick with Froggen. So I'm kind of curious to see what happened behind the scenes with that. Um, but this entire team is like very, very interesting to me just because of the personalities that will be on it. And that includes Huni, um, just because his personality is generally like really, really upbeat, but I also think that he takes a lot on himself when the team is losing. Um, and that's not to say, like, he, he tilts, but, like, he he kind of feels a lot more pressure when his team is down, and he feels like he has to carry, and that's something he said previously himself. Um, and so on this team specifically, the personalities are really interesting to me. Yeah, I actually feel like this, this team is the personality touch of death right like if they and they're feeling great they're all very talented right Huni, Dardock, Phoenix, Alltech, Adrian those are all players who have in the past have had some site or some type of mentality issue or conflict in the team that's very chronicled and I think that in that sense if this team feels great they're going to win everything but the moment they start losing I think it's the downfall like if you have consecutive losses it's going to hurt and it's going to be really bad because you've seen everything from like Breaking Point with Phoenix and Dardock. You've also oh, heard about Adrian times. and Altec also like not being terrible teammates, but definitely having some conflicts within a team. And I just don't see this team being as solid of a pick when it comes to things like standings as like TSM or Liquid, which I expect a little bit more out of. Well, so. that's something that can be fixed with a mental health coach, not Weldon, but. Yeah, I have not heard anything about that, actually. Um, So I will say there was one other name in this Echo Fox race, but he actually got snatched up by another team, and that was Odawamne um, from H2K. 
he was someone that they had a conversation with at one point, and they ended up going with Hooney, from my understanding, or will go with Hooney. Uh, I'm pretty sure the transfer with SKT is done. I think now it's just getting Hooney to sign on the dotted line. Wait, Emily, um, I heard you audibly gasp when Jacob said Odo Omne, so any oh, thoughts? That's kind of a weird... I mean, I, I like Odo a lot, actually. I feel like he's he's super underrated by people at times. Um, he can be very economical and very flexible in a way that I feel like Cooney is going to have higher highs and sometimes more carry potential, but could be a little bit more inconsistent. Um, so that would have been an interesting, like, I'm not even sure how he would have fit with the personalities on this team either. This Me team either. is just very weird. Yeah, I generally agree. I think, um, I mean, obviously we now know Odo is not coming to NA because he's nope. going to Splice. Yes. And that done or that should be a done deal as of today. So um, I'm pretty sure that uh, Hooney will be the person they go with. But, yeah, I definitely, I don't know how he, uh, how he quite, how this team quite fits in in terms of personalities, even though they're all pretty solid players in terms of skill. All right, well, before we dive into the second half, I want to talk briefly about a rumor that's been circulating around, a rumor that Samsung from South Korea will sell their spot in the LCK to a U.S. company, uh, and that U.S. company likely being KSV Esports. Now, before this, we'd heard whispers beforehand that KSV were thinking about actually buying Long Zoo Gaming. So, Emily, as the LCK expert around here, what are your thoughts on KSV signing Samsung over Long Zoo? Is it a good long-term decision? So I actually have a lot of opinions on this and I'll try to like condense them because it has a lot to do with um, Korean non-endemic teams um, first or like organizations. First, the thing that I wanted to address is a lot of people are saying that um, that Samsung has been notoriously kind of stingy with their players in the past. And everyone's like, well, SKT, like they're a huge company. So of course they can pay their players. Um, and they were kind of seen, even in the 2014-15 offseason, they were seen as the team that, like, the Korean team that actually pays their players. Um, and one thing I wanted to address before I launch into this is that Samsung is the largest tribal in South Korea. They own a ton of stuff. There's no way that if they wanted to invest in this team, they couldn't. Like, they have, I want to stress that they have the money to pay their players. Um, uh, as for like KSB uh, coming in, I think it's a bit weird to me because I, on the one hand, it's it's cool that they would get all this extra investment and an organization that's seemingly willing to spend more money on them. On the other hand, there are a couple of other things at play. Um, I find it concerning that a large non-endemic like Samsung, again, the largest corporation in Korea would be pulling out of League of Legends esports. That's concerning to me, especially given the fact that we had another group, CJ, recently. Like, I know people laugh because CJ's roster and performance was kind of a joke, but the company itself is huge. And losing that non-endemic sponsorship within Korean esports is bad, in my opinion. Um, and then you have Longzu, who is being propped up by Kespa, and Kespa's facing all sorts of stuff. Criminal from charges, their yes. Ex yeah. Um, and so 
on the one hand, long as they manage to keep their roster, when I and Jacob can fill in on this if he wants, but like I assume those players receive offers from other teams that were not long to. And they decided to stay anyway. I don't know because of the, I don't know if it was because of the KSV rumors or they thought they were going to get bought by someone. But regardless, this entire thing is a bit concerning to me from an investment standpoint, if that makes sense. Um, because now if this rumor is true and Samsung is pulling out and KSV is going to buy Samsung, then who's going to pick up Longzhu? And also, is Samsung leaving League of Legends esports entirely? If that, if that is the case, and again, this is just a rumor, but like, if that is the case, that's very concerning to me. Jacob? Add to the pot just a little here. Uh, there's actually a third team that almost sold during this offseason in South Korea, which is the Barbecue Olivers. Um, the barbecue, to who? Barbecue Olivers were working on a deal with E United, the people who were in the Challenger Series and in Call of Duty and tried to be in the Overwatch League. Um, and E United attempted to acquire that team. My understanding, though, is that the Barbecue Chicken Company, that is the title sponsor of that team, doubled down their investment. So I do think that there's something going on in South Korea a little bit more deeper than meets the surface in terms of these LCK teams looking to sell. Uh, Samsung is a little surprising. I agree with Emily. Uh, Longju was not that surprising when that negotiation was going on with KSV, and uh, I don't think Barbecue was all that surprising either like it's a it's a restaurant and sure like they're a pretty large restaurant chain i would say they're probably similar to my understanding to like korean wendy's um but in terms of scale and uh so i think that there is something happening there we've seen teams over the last couple of years including rocks rocks actually just said they got a new investor um but we've seen teams like rocks struggle and i think that there may be something going on with this um Economic change, because you, you've seen two regions in League of Legends change their economics pretty heavily, the LPL with franchising and also the NALCS. EU is next in 2019, and then what is happening to the LCK? It's kind of left behind as, as the four major four or five regions. Right. And I think that a lot of people are seeing opportunity. If it happened in NA, it will eventually happen in LCK, and there are things like revenue sharing and part of the MLG or the uh, MLB rather BAM deal. Uh, with Riot, which is going to be portion revenue shared in North America and eventually Europe and also in China through their revenue sharing uh, pools, I guess is the best word to use. So I think that they, some of these big business companies or some of these entrepreneurs like the people at KSV see this opportunity to put money down and become a part of this ecosystem uh, somewhere else. And it makes a lot of sense, in my opinion, for a company that wants to be, even though they're an American company, they very much want a heavy market share in South Korea, as you've seen with their acquisitions in Heroes and PUBG. And, and Overwatch. And Overwatch, right? They got the sole spot. Exactly. And um, I, I think that it's going, you're going to see more and more people try to gravitate towards the regions that aren't franchised yet, and you'll see this probably in EU next year as well. Right. So. And just to wrap things up really quickly, for um, for those who are confused or wondering about the difficulties of running a team in South Korea from the U.S., Fear not, because KSV has a team set in South Korea running their Overwatch team, so it's not unlikely that they'll hire more personnel if this deal is to go through. 
We're going to take a short break right now, but first we'd like to hear from you. Whether you're new to the podcast or have been listening for some time, we'd like to know how we're doing. So leave us a rating and a review. And if you like what you hear, make sure you're subscribed so we're easy to find next time. And if you subscribe in the ESPN app, we can send you an alert whenever we have a new episode. And you can always tweet us your thoughts at ESPN underscore esports, at Rachel Yonggu, at Jacob and Wolf, and at League of Emily. And we're back with the ESPN esports podcast. Before we took the break, Emily, you wanted to say something to Jacob really quickly? Oh, I just, um, the only thing I wanted to do was say that if, so Jacob made the point that um, there's more outside investors interested in Korea than I previously thought, um, which again is kind of concerning to me for the Korean esports ecosystem, um, especially with larger Korean non-endemics pulling out, mainly because I don't necessarily think it's a good idea to have this region propped up by um, foreign companies necessarily um like comparing this to china is uh, a bit disingenuous only because um the the chinese investment is all endemic sponsors or like just super rich people who have connections to the chinese government that are using it as like almost a marketing arm um for their own like personal brands or their company brands and stuff like that um so I am really curious. Uh, he mentioned Europe, franchising Europe. I'm really curious to see how that goes. And it's also frustrating to me as like a Champions fan since 2013 that I felt like Korea did have their stuff figured out in terms of large non-endemic sponsors having two teams. So now going to franchising, if they did decide to do that, since they will be like kind of the last region standing once EU uh, goes through. Right. I, well, I, I'm very curious. I wanted to know, like, what are the chances that the LCK franchises? Like, we haven't really heard much about them. I don't have a good answer. I, yeah, for I don't that. think from, there is from an a answer. from yeah, a reporting yeah. perspective. I mean, but I will say that if not franchising, there will definitely be some sort of permanence with revenue sharing, and really, that's what this is all about, right? This is the and Emily to kind of counter your point. I think that. Uh, Companies like Samsung and Jin Air and CJ have kind of used their League of Legends teams as marketing. I, I dare would not have known what CJ Intus and Jin Air as companies were if I did not know their League of Legends team as a Westerner, right? Like as someone who watches the LCK but lives in the West. Uh, or the right. Western well, part me of the and world. Emily know because we listen to K-pop. Yeah, we're into K-pop, so yeah. we're very familiar with CJ. At least. Yeah. yeah so I, I think that I think that. Um, they want it to become less about that. I think that's why you see in LCS franchising, one of the people that was most interesting to me that made it in NA was Wesley Edens of the Bucks, right? It's not that the Bucks own that franchise in FlyQuest. It's that Wesley Edens owns that franchise and that he wants it to be a sports franchise separate from the Bucks. It's not in a marketing extension like Dignitas and the Philadelphia 76ers, right? Uh, it is very much supposed to be its own sole sports team that you're going to build up and you're going to build resources in like a traditional sports team. I think Riot likes that idea. I think they really favor the idea of, oh, you're going to commit all these resources and build something special and unique to League of Legends. I think that that's actually very intriguing when you have a conversation about things like the LCK that is very market-heavy, right? Like, it's yeah, very it's very marketing-focused. I would say that a lot of, like, Samsung's operation budget probably came from their marketing department. That's probably where that mm -hmm. money came from, as that running this team is a marketing extension of the Samsung company. So if you're Riot, are you happy that uh, ownership group that doesn't have a marketing affiliation is going to buy a team and try to prop something up? 
Well, yes, because it I mean, benefits my, Riot. My concern is orgs are coming from outside of Korea, where larger non, non-endemic Korean orgs are pulling out. Because South Korea is like a super small market. That's the thing. Like comparing it to something like North America, China is just like in its own, like China's its own level of people in terms <laughs> that, of how, that... how many people you can market to. But like even comparing it to North America or Europe, like the Korean market, they market well, but they're small. Like the actual market itself is small. Well, that's and why you see no, it, no, none of these Korean endemic sponsors, South Korean endemic sponsors, like your SK Telecom and your CJ Antis and your Gen Air, mm-hmm. none of them bought in the Overwatch League. What's the benefit, right? Like SK Telecom phones are not a thing in the U.S. or in Europe. So at what point does like, it's just a waste of money at that point. If it's $20 million in marketing budget, no, it's not worth it. And so I think this is kind of almost the inverse. Interesting. Well, I want to move really quickly to the EU LCS because they have a like what you said earlier, Emily, you said they have a rather shaky economic ecosystem currently. And I think that's a lot to blame on Riot. And I mean, there's been a lot of negligence over the past year. We've seen their viewership times, talks of geolocating, then canceling the geolocating, just to name a few. I wonder if the league will be able to sustain itself in the future with all these European le- players leaving for North America. Jacob, how viable do you think the EU LCS is? Right now, it's not. Um, I think in the future, it will be. I think that when this, it franchises in correct, 2019. Yeah. I think that when that happens, you're going to see from the ownership I've talked to and from people at Riot, it seems like it's not going to be bull in the China shop as much as it was in NA. Uh, in NA, you were basically forced to sell out or get replaced. I think that you're going to see a lot of more marriages of organizations. I think I said this previously on a pod that you're going to see your bigger soccer orgs and bigger investors in Europe and European enterprise invest in teams like Unicorns of Love and that those brands are going to stick. They're going to have money finally, but they're going to stick. Um, I think that this offseason is not at a good time. Uh, the fact that they're staggered NA and EU in terms of franchising process, this offseason was really bad for Europe. Uh, you see a lot of players, even the ones we have on this list that we're about to read off, have left the region to come to NA because there's just no money comparison, right? Like someone like Unicorns of Love can't pay the type of money that sh- even Schalke can pay, right, in their own region. Like Vizicachi's offer from Schalke was a lot better than it was from Unicorns. Not to say that his Unicorns offer was bad, but it's uncomparable, a soccer team and a homegrown family team, you know? And it's the same way in NA because they're staggered. You have all this money, and let me be clear, just as something I want to say, the basketball teams aren't the problem. The team with the biggest budget in the NALCS is Team Liquid. It's not even someone who, like, sure, they have basketball money, but it's not a direct basketball team. Wait, wait, wait. How are we measuring the budget? Uh, by what they spent on players and staff for this next season. Okay. They they were more willing. Team Liquid was more willing to shill money than than someone like the Warriors or the or the Rockets or the Cavaliers were. Um, their their budget operating budget was significantly more. It's also risky. But generally, what I'm saying is like you have people like Liquid who are willing willing to pay, as we talked about last week, upwards of like a million dollars in salary for one player. How the hell are you supposed to compete with that if you're a European team? like Unicorns of Love, who are just a family-based operation. Right, and I think with the migration of all these players, it means the end of a lot of dynasties, a.k.a. the G2 esports dynasty. Expect Trick, Sven, Mithy have all left the team. Emily, what's the ULCS going to look like once G2 collapses inevitably? 
Oh, man. So to piggyback on what Jacob said, it's actually super frustrating that they didn't just force Europe to franchise when North America did, um, because this is, by comparison, uh, there's it's not a level playing field uh, based on how much capital uh, as a whole most European orgs have compared to a lot of the even incoming but pre-existing orgs in the North American franchise system. Um, G2, I mean, it's going to be a lot different. Um, I don't really, I don't know who they're, who they're getting. So it's their hard current to... roster, just to fill you in is wonder, no jungler yet. Perks, Yarnin, Wadid. That's the current G2 oh, roster as yeah. it stands. Okay. I knew, uh, Perks, Yarnin, Wadid. I didn't, uh, I somehow forgot about wonder, but, um, it's not like a, a bad team. It's actually will depend on the jungle because you know me like jungle is a super important position. When I'm looking at team, but um, <laughs> I think I think the migration of talent from Europe is a bit overblown, especially since some of the players that are leaving, like for example, Expect and Trick, uh, they were already Korean imports. So um, and they're leaving for different reasons too. So yeah, they're leaving yeah. to go back home. Right, but Power yeah, of like, Evil, right? Yeah, like, um, and same with Ignar, actually, like, because obviously he left to go back to Korea as well. Um, but yeah, the the big ones everyone's looking at are Power of Evil, Sven, and Mithy, um, and Febivin, right? Right. Uh, are kind of the major four. Um, and I think it's telling that each of them kind of spent their time in Europe, and now they're just like, okay, we're we're going to go to North America. Um, I actually think Ven and Mithy is a good pickup, even though a lot of people are saying otherwise. Um, but in terms of G2, I feel like they have as good of a chance as anyone with the with the roster they have now. I mean, it's really hard to judge because this entire season in Europe is going to be really interesting with most teams kind of changing their roster fairly dramatically. Um, like we don't we don't know about half the rosters in in Europe, right? Like all we know is splice bits and pieces of G two. Who else? So it's like really it's really hard to judge if this is the end of G two esports dynasty because of the of there are so many missing pieces to try to solve that question. Right. But I do That's think fair. obviously it's, it's going to look a lot different. The team I, itself is not going to be the same. I think the big thing is that uh, they're. EU is actually very slow in comparison to what we were talking about in a earlier and a moved even before the deadline, right? Like people were paying to get permission to talk to players in NA. Which How does is like, that work by the way? I'm really curious. So there, there's the tampering and poaching rules, right? You can't right. talk to someone until the end of their contract. Um, but if the team agrees to that, if, or like if the team tells the player, yeah, you can go talk to other people, that's waived at that point. Or if the team says, and this happened with Yarn and Wadid actually, with G2, is Rocket told them they could talk to G2 beforehand, which did happen. And that's why they're there now. Um, but in the case of like Sven and Mithy, uh, G2 sold the rights to be able to speak with them. So Optic and TSM paid G2 a fee, and Sven and Mithy were able to negotiate with Optic and TSM. And then obviously went with TSM. Um, but... Yeah, that that's new territory for us as an industry as well. Right. Um, but I think the big thing we know three rosters basically in EU. Uh, we know Splice. Uh, we know most of G two. Uh, right. Sans Jungler, and then we know uh, Shalka. And those are the those are the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shalka 
I think, is the one team that moved very quickly during this offseason. Schalke knew their roster by, like, Wednesday. And everybody else, like, didn't know their roster, doesn't even know their roster now, right? Except for, like, those other two teams. And uh, the fact that Schalke was so ahead of the game and they went very aggressive for who they wanted and they went out there and they talked to a bunch of people and they got who they wanted very quickly uh, speaks well because I actually think that roster is solid. So... Um, I think that yeah, I like Schalke's roster, and and Schalke has a, a much more capital than a lot of their European peers as well, which is attractive as I mentioned earlier. So they're able, they have more money, and they have a larger budget, operating budget than say unicorns. So, yeah, and not to bang on unicorns, I do like those people. They're good, they're good people, but they're a family business, and it's really hard to compete when you're a family business versus like, and you're operating off your own revenues versus getting a sports team to invest in you right and i mean i feel like i'm just stating the obvious right now but the winning formula is that money trumps winning at this point so yeah that's that's the real liquid test this year right like can yes. liquid finally not be crap by buying all the good players in the league i mean let's ask you emily and does do you it think matter <laughs> do you think they will have a winning team or are they doomed to get fourth liquid? yet again yes um, I think there are a few things that could go wrong with this roster, but overall it's, it's a good, like, I feel like, uh, liquid was really smart, um, about, I mean, they spent a lot of money obviously, but they were really smart in terms of being able to sell people to other teams. Like they're basically using players as part of their capital. Right. 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 And, um, I, I think that's something that I didn't see a lot of other orgs necessarily do. Um, and I think it's something that, depending on how they perform, is something we could see a lot of other organizations do. Um, I think the Xmithy pole belter double lift trio should be interesting since obviously they've played together previously. Um, won a championship lift- together. It's true. Yeah, the double lift Ollie um, lane is going to be really interesting to me. Um, and to stress Ollie on that one, very... just briefly, sorry, stress on that one, that was double lift and Ollie motivated. That was them doing that together, not Liquid doing that. Wait, just... explain that a little. So double lift. Double lift and Ollie talked to each other. They wanted to play together. They went right. to the same team. That was how that worked. So that was the caveat for double lift signing to Liquid because. You Correct. said in the last podcast that he wasn't interested in joining Liquid unless Ale could join. Yes, that is the case. Was that he wanted double lift or double lift wanted Ale or Ignar, and uh, they got Ale. So okay. double lift is not on the team. Got you. Go on, Emily. I was going to say that actually should be really interesting to me because they're both very so. Like I understand that they wanted to play together, um, and I can actually understand why they would want to play together because double lift kind of wants that playmaking presence in lane. But the thing with both of them is I feel like they're both very headstrong players. So I'm kind of curious to see how this lane turns out. Um, because Doublelift has spent the past two years with Biofrost, pretty much, uh, who was new um, when he first joined TSM. And kind of Doublelift kind of took him under his wing, right, to develop him as a support um, but Ale is not like that. He has his own ideas, and he's very headstrong, and he's he's hilarious. Like I love Ale. I feel um, so good for so him. By cur- the way. Uh, yeah, I'm very curious to see how this lane goes. And that's not me saying like, oh my gosh, it's going to be a disaster, and they're going to fight all the time. It's not even about them outside of game. It's about in game, like initiation and 
whether Doublelift wants to sit back and farm, like sometimes he does. Sometimes he just wants to sit and lean and farm and push the wave. And Ollie might not be up for that because he really likes engaging. So I'm kind of curious to see how the lane dynamic is going to go. All right. Well, to wrap things up really quick, the last question I have is I think the biggest free agent who's still on the market in NA is Aframu. He's left CLG. Biofrost has replaced him. I mean, where is he going to go at this point? I mean, there's only one team that he can go to, right? Unless somebody makes a drastic roster change, and that's kind of unexpected. What is this one team, Jacob? The 100 Thieves. And um, I haven't heard anything solid about him going there yet. Yet that's It would be a tragedy if he ended up just a change. Um, I could see somebody taking a risk on him, somebody with an NA support that, like, it's not even really that much of a risk, but, like, essentially outing one of their own roster to to get him, someone that wasn't going to make a change. Cloud9, someone to come to example. I don't think they would give up Smoothie, but I could see that if that makes sense. The reason Aphromoo is a free agent is because, uh, maybe I'm teasing a story in the future, but um, very much wanted to capitalize on his market value this offseason. And how his, much is that? Can you speculate? I I would say that with Liquid throwing around million-dollar salaries, I would say Afro wanted close to that. Um, and he is a very valuable player in the sense that he's probably the best North American support, doesn't take up an import slot, which matters a lot more than people will probably give it credit for. He's markable. He's a good personality. Yeah, he's a good streamer. Like he, he, if a hundred thieves does get him, that's almost an instant fan base for them, right? Like there's a bunch of Afromove fans. Um, and he brings that star power that we see in other sports like the NBA. So I think that generally uh, he wanted to see what was out there. And as soon as he said, I want to see what was out there, even though CLG did give him an offer, uh, they started looking for other sports, and Biofrost was a very clear option. And I actually did expect Biofrost to go to 100 Thieves and not CLG, but it makes sense considering they were out in support. Right. Well, we're all out of time, but before we go, I wanted everyone to know quickly about a 24-hour stream that we're going to conduct on Twitch at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Yes, we're hosting a 24-hour stream in the name of Jimmy V and the fight against cancer. So check that out. All donations are going to charity. And yeah, it's our Twitch debut. So yeah, we're going to have a rotating door of guests. Cool stuff. Um, And with that, that's all we have for the podcast today. Thank you, Emily and Jacob, for joining me. And for more esports content, you can check out ESPN.com slash esports. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Rachel Yonggu, at Jacob and Wolf, and at League of Emily. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.